0: Good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast, Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN AM for Thursday, December 8th, 2022. And our top story today Show Me the Income What Employers Are Saying About Retirement Income Solutions. Today's show is powered by Invesco. To learn more about Invesco and its latest defined contribution research, visit the website displayed below. But joining me now to discuss this and a lot more. Greg Jenkins is with Invesco and Bill Ryan is a partner with NEPC. Well, Greg, Bill, it's great to see you both again. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning.
1: Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, thanks.
0: Yeah, Jeff. And, and, yeah, great to see you both. And and Greg, you know, the last time we, we talked about um, Show Me the Income and the survey results, we kind of talked at a very general level. I mean, there there was so much to unpack, and we'll be unpacking more in future shows. But in this particular episode, I think we want to focus on what plan sponsors, or what we call what we call plan sponsors, who are also employers, um, are thinking about retirement income from the survey results. What are they saying? What do they What did they tell you?
1: Yeah, thanks, Jeff. And you're right. There is a lot in this study. Um, we surveyed a thousand participants. And we also surveyed 100 uh, large plan sponsors. And our research partner, uh, Greenwald Research, conducted 18 in-depth interviews where we learned uh, quite a bit about how plan sponsors are thinking. And when we asked why our retirement income program would benefit uh, their organizations, it it was interesting. The, The top reason cited was that it was simply good to offer more options for employees. And there were some other factors that uh, came in uh, a little bit lower. Uh, all all basically tied uh, things like um, wanting to offer a retirement income program at a better better cost or lower cost than a participant could get on their own, and also uh, sort of these workforce management issues like um, you know helping uh, helping employees retire on time. So uh, interestingly. We, um, you know, 77% of these employers said that they were seeking to retain uh, uh, retirees in the plan, and you know, you would think that some of these economic benefits would have would have come through really high. But interestingly, uh, you know, retaining, you know, keeping plan assets, you know, up, and uh, you know, and some of these other economic factors uh, rank quite a bit lower than some um, of some of the some of the, uh, the issues that I just mentioned. Yeah. It, and then it, it, um on to the second part of your question, you uh you know on on how many employers are really doing this right now. The the answer is really very few plans have adopted a, you know, retirement income program as of yet. However, most plans have eliminated fees for uh for partial distributions or for periodic distributions and you know we could certainly argue that that is a retirement income program. So so many employers already have something they're just looking to enhance it
0: thanks for that greg and bill i want to bring you into the conversation first of all it's great to have you and and again on the program and you represent uh, nepc a prominent consulting firm that advises clients Uh, from i guess the first question from a retirement income perspective are more and more of the clients that you service are they talking about this in their quarterly review meetings that they have to do more due diligence on retirement income and add an option to their plan.
2: Yeah, thank you, Jeff, and thank you for having me. Um, There's a lot of conversations like Greg is mentioning. There's a proliferation of products from asset managers to uh, record keepers to managed account providers, and it makes the conversation a little bit more complicated. I atone it to um, religion, and what what I mean by that is we're talking about denominations of religion. There's very strong advocacy for specific retirement programs or retirement income solutions. But we don't know if our plan sponsors or the clients actually believe in religion. And I think one way that actually this could be addressed is we're trying to make the conversation simpler for our clients. And and this is where Greg was was going to with um, systematic distributions. We, we are telling our clients that nine out of 10 of them have a retirement income solution. And what I mean by that is 90 percent of our clients have a target date fund and systematic distribution, which means that they have a they have a starting point to provide retirement income for their participants.
0: And is there, you know, Bill, uh, is there one particular product type? You know, there's insurance products, there's non-insurance products, there are different constructs. Is there one type of product that stands out or is it, hey, you know, the we want to look at all of them. We want to add, we want to consider multiple options.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to get comfortable what the objective is, and I think if majority of participants are going to have Social Security, they may have other forms of guaranteed benefits or lifetime income, but they're all going to need some kind of self-insured um, investment product. So I think target date funds as a starting point. Anything that has an asset allocation post sixty five. Is the entry point for retirement income solution. It does not need to have a guaranteed income solution. It's kind of like in grammar school when you learn, you know, square and a rectangle. Square is a unique part of a rectangle. Lifetime income is a subset of retirement income, but all retirement income isn't insured.
0: Greg, you, you talked a little bit about uh, uh, retaining assets and the employer's desire. Uh, to retain assets, and, and I would lump that in under portability. Um, what about helping employees? What about helping them find uh, streams or, or create streams of income? Is this more of a focus, at least from your survey results?
1: Yeah, great question, Jeff. So, this is an area where I think we got more out of the qualitative side of the study. Uh, than than you know the the survey alone in the in depth interviews plan sponsors said they viewed retirement income as part of financial wellness uh, which is clearly a, a focus for employee employee benefits today um, and many employers have spent decades helping participants you know with saving and with the accumulation side on their DC plans but not much has been done to help people derive retirement income from their DC plan savings. Uh, At the same time, you know, larger employers in particular have shifted over time from a defined benefit centric uh, retirement um, focus to a D.C. system. And so some of our 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 interviewees uh, cited that as well.
0: Bill, uh, in our industry, we talk a lot about financial wellness, financial literacy and, and kind of piggybacking on what Greg just talked about, the survey results. From your perspective, from uh, your clients that you're talking to, how much of the participant is in the f- mind of the uh, the employer? Are they focused on these issues vis a vis putting in solutions that help with the uh, uh, you know help address those concerns that participants might have? One of which is, do I have enough money at retirement?
2: It's it's a great question, Jeff. I think it's very unique to the employer and the culture of the employer. The total rewards and the benefit structure that an employer provides has a lot to do with the culture and the type of employees they recruit. And so I don't think it's unique to industries. I don't think it's unique to corporate plans versus non for profit. I think it's very much unique to the people that work at the employer. I've seen two corporate plans Plan A and Plan B, where the person who's uh, managing benefits at Plan A is much more involved in financial wellness and literacy. They had something personal in their life, maybe a, a parent or a father that, that made them really drive into the topic. So I think it's very much unique to um, the employer or the, or the people at the um, at the employer to that, that provide those benefits.
0: And, and do you think some of that is related to the pandemic, what we've experienced the last two years? Now we've got a lot of market volatility. Uh, there's fear of recession. Um, does that, and, and, and look, there, there are benefits to helping your employees, right? I mean, we're all kind of, you want productivity uh, to, to continue to be, uh, to go up and not go down. If you're, if you're always have your arms wrapped around your finances, you're not as productive as a worker.
2: Yeah, and unfortunately, the, the pandemic didn't hit every industry equally. It, it hit heavier on retail and hospitality and travel. And when we had the CARES Act at the start of 2020, Um, Financial literacy was the top of mind, especially for those employers that that needed to help employees with short-term cash flow needs. Um, Corporate America was not impacted nearly as hard as some of the other parts. And so as now as we're we're coming out of the pandemic, employment is up. Um, There is the looming uh, recession out there. But I think the uh, financial literacy is going to be really, again, dependent on what what the culture is of the employer or the plan sponsor.
0: Well, gentlemen, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about proper due diligence for these types of retirement income solutions. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier,
2: and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I I liked what he was saying.
0: Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit.
2: I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report, so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All
0: it takes is one call to get started.
2: Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score.
0: Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation.
1: Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152.
0: Welcome back. A reminder that today's show is powered by Invesco. To learn more about Invesco and its defined contribution retirement research, visit the website displayed below. Well, Greg, Bill, thanks so much for sticking with us this morning. Really appreciate having you back for segment number two. Thanks, Jeff. This Thanks, is Jeff. fun. I, I love doing this. I love doing it. I feel like we get so much, I get so much out of it. I think the audience does as well. Greg, let's talk more about the survey results. And and we always talk about in the retirement industry, one size never fits all. You know, I wear a medium shirt, someone else who may may wear a larger shirt, right? And so our, from the survey results, did you glean that plan sponsors, employers are looking for other alternatives uh more than one alternative to add to their program
1: yeah it's a great question i think what what bill said earlier is really uh really important is that you know every organization's coming at this from a different angle and i think the the underpinning philosophies of the organization really determine in many ways how they're approaching this issue um, but some of our plant sponsors in the interviews said that eventually they think it makes sense to have more than one retirement option for uh, retirement income option for retirees Um, and that's really because employees have varying needs more than anything Um, in our survey when we asked plant sponsors whether an annuity based uh, solution or an investment-based retirement income solution made the most sense um, you know they both scored well but uh, and they were they were statistically dead even when, when, with plan sponsors, but ninety three percent were favorable on a combination of both, uh, which is interesting. And so, and I'm not suggesting that plan sponsors need to go out and adopt two retirement income products uh, right out of the gates. Uh, this is something that you would stage into over time. Maybe step one, as as Bill talked about earlier, is just you know educating around the partial and systematic withdrawal uh, options that participants have now. And then maybe later on, you, you know, you add another option. And I I think that the products are evolving too and becoming more flexible. Whereas, you know, early on, some of the um, retirement income products that were out there, it it sort of felt like this all in, you know, all or nothing semi-permanent decision that a plan sponsor was making. And I think now it's uh, because of the flexibility with these products, it can be, um, you know, just like any other part of the plan where it can be changed and replaced or evolve over time.
0: Bill, uh, your, your firm, one of the responsibilities for your firm, uh, you have a whole team that does a lot of research and due diligence. And I, I have to think a lot of work is being done on these types of products. How do you, how do you perform research on, on products that really can be different from one another even if they're both insurance products or they're investment products?
2: Yeah, we have to spend a lot of time really understanding the underpinning of the product design and what the goal is of that product. Is it a deferred income source? Is it an immediate income source? And what's the underpinning of the investments? Does it have the actual asset allocation to support the yield that it's supposed to provide participants? If it has any kind of guarantee What's the pool that's supporting the risk? What's the credit quality of the employer? There's insurance products in probably 70% of corporate plans today. If you think about stable value, those have wrap providers. Those have insurance. So there is some level of due diligence right now with insurance products today uh, in plans that maybe has gotten forgotten about or realized uh, that, that we just take for granted at this point.
0: And, and, and Bill, how do you take you know, our, our business – the retirement and financial services industry has a lot of jargon. I don't know if you're aware of that. I mean, both of you are are, are CFAs, uh, but you know things like beta and risk and RAP. How do you explain what are arguably complicated prop, uh, concepts to a committee? And by the way, the committee is not like they're not intelligent, but they're they're very smart in what they do. Uh, but how do you take these these difficult concepts and explain it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Greg mentioned it earlier. I- His terms are slightly different than mine. The way that I try to explain it is being self-insured versus pooled insured. When you're thinking about retirement income, you're either gonna be in an investment-only product where the individual has to self-insure that they've saved enough, they can support their own needs for retirement income distributions, or they need to hedge it. And in that, they're gonna be in a pooled product with group risk and be able to collect income and defer that across the longevity of multiple lives. So what we try to do is simplify the conversation to those, those two concepts. Do you want to provide self-insured uh, retirement income for your participants or do you want pooled insured? And then once we can define that, we can then bucket or categorize the different products available and then systematically find out what's, what should be provided to uh, participants. To Greg's earlier point, it may not be providing one solution like we have historically, but maybe it's two or three. We came a long way on the core lineup where we went from three investment options to 20 and now back to probably 10. I think we've learned from that experience. We probably can get comfortable getting to three or four retirement income solutions, maybe not get to 20 and, and to do that again.
0: Yeah, that would, you're right. We went from this down to this or this down to this, down to, back down to this. Um, Greg, the last time we chatted, we you talked about the survey results and the importance of participant education, I think you kind of alluded to this uh, previously. Um, Are employers interested in educating their employees about retirement income?
1: Well, I think they are. And I think think people realize that education is going to be really critical when it comes to retirement income. In our plan sponsor survey, 79% said they had provided information to participants about how to Turn their DC balance into a stream of income, but only 38% of participants remembered receiving anything. Um, so I think there's a couple factors at play here. Uh, number one, this is relatively new information. It just takes time for these you know these these ideas to sink in. It takes multiple channels. It's just like you know not not unlike any other um, you know marketing problem when it comes to um, you know participants. Uh, And also, to our surprise, younger participants were a lot more interested in retirement income than we thought they would be. So people in their 30s and 40s were asking lots of questions. They were clearly very interested in the focus groups. We could really see this. They were very interested in what these options um, would be. And I think there's a real opportunity with these younger participants. You know, the older participants that we um, surveyed in focus group, they're a little more set in their ideas. They have some more built-in biases about some of these things. You could really sense um, with the younger participants that there was a hunger for information and and really um, m- for the most part open minds about you know how to uh, how to do this right and and they were they were very interested in uh, the tools and uh, you know any other in- information to help them do that.
0: Last question. I want to pose it to Greg first, and then I'll, I'll finish it up with you, Bill. And that's. Uh, you know, Greg, from your perspective, are employers, are their providers, record keepers, is what I'm talking about here. Are they, are they doing enough? Are they committing enough resources to explain these concepts? Uh, because we're talking, you know, more broadly, we talk about financial literacy all the time. So, are are enough resources being committed to to that education that you just talked about?
1: Well, I think I think record keepers have come a long way on on helping plan sponsors with education. But I, I still think there's a long way to go. Um, you know, some of these basic tenets and ideas about retirement income that are that are fairly obvious to those of us in the industry, like the fact that you need to pay uh, extra if you want a lifetime guarantee. You need to pay, uh, there's an additional cost for, you know, an inflation uh, adjustment uh, to be built into these products. So th- things like that that are fairly obvious to us it was clear in our focus groups that this is not at all uh, clear to the average person. And a lot of them are thinking about themselves and their own situation, which is totally natural. They're not thinking about actuarial tables and, and averages and participants overall. So there's, there's a lot of work to do. And I think that that all of us in the industry need to evolve when it comes to educating around, uh, you know, retirement income. And,
0: and Bill, um I want to get your thoughts on this because you're sitting in that table around the room with uh, sitting at the table with others around the room, committee members are I know there's an interest, but is there enough commitment in terms of the resource to to do that education to get people on the right path towards sustainable income?
2: It's um, I'm not sure it's it's 100 percent there. As I mentioned a few times, it really comes down to the employer's commitment and what they're providing. Um, in public, in the public sector or the university sector who has a defined benefit plan, they're attached to that participant for their full journey. Uh, corporate America has gotten away from the defined benefit space, so there's a different relationship that's being formed, really, with that employee. Um, so it really comes down to you know, what the employer is trying to accomplish, and one of the things I thought from a measurement standpoint, just hearing Greg's last comments, is, you know, it's one thing that the record keepers have the ability to do systematic distribution. I think the committees, if they want to manage it, they have to measure it. And so what percentage of participants are taking a distribution prior to the RMD? So between ages 60 and 70, you know, how many are staying in and starting to take a systematic distribution? Do they want to move the needle on that? Is that really what what they want to influence it? I think that would probably be the first step in measuring it and and, uh, deploying it.
0: Yeah, well, it's certainly really important. And, you know, look, it's an aging society uh, from what I understand. You know, we're getting more people on the planet, but we're also getting older. These are important topics. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Greg Jenkins, Bill Ryan, great to talk to you both as always. Thanks so much for sharing your perspective. And We look forward to having you back on the program again very soon. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line and don't forget for all the latest curated news and lifestyle wellness, finance tech, so much more and all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter the Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content? Well, visit our website and of course, all of our 300 streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for another edition of BRNAM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving and don't forget, roll with the changes.